0: The Spirit of life has redeemed us From death into life now We walk in His freedom We are the children of God So we sing out as brothers Sing out as sisters We are the children of God And we are no longer slaves He has given us new names We are the children of God
1: As we suffer for His name and live
0: as His children We long for the days we can run from these prisons No longer bound by the sin that surrounds us Forever we live with our God And so we sing out as brothers, sing out as sisters We are the children of God And we are no longer slaves, He has given us new names We are the children of God The children of God
1: I'm convinced there is nothing
0: Of creation, no power of hell, neither angels are demons. Not death, or not life, or not fear for tomorrow can separate us from His love. I'm convinced there is nothing in all of creation, no power of hell, neither angels are demons death or not life or not fear for tomorrow can separate us from his love so we sing out as brothers sing out as sisters we are the children of god and we are no longer slaves he has given us new names we are the children of god so we sing out as brothers sing out as sisters We are the children of God, and we are no longer slaves, He has given us new names. We are the children of God, children of God.
1: morning Carpenter's Way. Hope you guys are doing all right. Uh, If you're in the room, if you want to stand and worship with us, you're more than welcome. You do not have to. If you guys are checking us out online, uh, don't be a spectator. Join in with us this morning. You are
0: amazing, a God who's unchanging. You're always unfailing, the beginning and the end. You are amazing. You were God before there was time. And you were God right here in our lives. And you will always be our God. The mountain trembles and the sea stands still at the mention of your name. All glory and honor and praise be unto your name. All glory and honor and praise be unto your name. You are amazing, a God who's unchanging. You're always unfailing. The beginning and the end, you are amazing. and your beauty is beyond compare, your love, it never fails. And your grace falls down like rain. Our glory and honor and praise be unto your name. Glory and honor and praise be unto your name. You are amazing, a God who's unchanging, you're always unfailing. The beginning and the end, you are amazing. Oh God, you are amazing. Sing hallelujah. Oh hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh hallelujah. God. Oh hallelujah. Yeah. Oh hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hall- unfailing, the beginning and the end, oh, and you are amazing, a God who's unchanging, always unfailing, the beginning and the end, you are amazing. Amen.
1: So last week, I think uh, if you were here, uh, Pastor Mark mentioned that he had something really cool for us um, this Sunday. And I don't want to ruin where we're going with that. Um, But I wrote this song called Everlasting God, and I wrote it a long, long time ago. And uh, I'll tell you this, like, one of my biggest, uh, I don't know if it's a fear or whatever, but as a worship pastor is I don't want to manipulate you guys. I don't want to, like, uh, I don't want to make you do something uh, just for the sake of doing it, you know? And, like, because a lot of times you'll see, like, worship leaders, like, hey, everybody, get up on your feet, do all this, because a lot of times it's self-serving, right? It's like if I see you guys doing it, it's like, yeah, let's go kind of thing. So I try not to manipulate you guys into that. And so with that said, we're about to sing this song uh, called Everlasting God. And the chorus just says... I lift my hands, I lift my voice. You do not have to lift your hands, okay? (laughs) If that just freaks you out, and right now you just got so uncomfortable, I'm not gonna ask you to lift your hands. But where we're going today is, uh, we talk a lot about God's just wonder, like how all of creation kind of points to his uh, just majesty, just how great he is, how amazing he is. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we can kind of just, you know, you get caught up in in what we do, right? It's like you kind of lose sight of just how amazing this God is that we get to serve, this God that we come in and we worship, right? Sometimes in your life, sometimes in worship, there needs to be a response, right? There needs to be something where you see the majesty, you see the wonder, you see the awe of who God is, and there's some type of response, either in your head or in your body, you know, that kind of stuff. And so again, I'm not asking you when we get to this course everybody, that's not what I'm asking, okay? So if you're not comfortable doing that, don't do it. What I am asking you is to think. What I'm asking you is to think as we're singing through these words and respond, whatever that looks like to you. Maybe that's sitting. Maybe that's bowing. Maybe that's standing. Maybe that is lifting a hand or two. Uh, maybe it's running around the room. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, don't, don't run around the room. <laughs> that was from Mark. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I think god's wonder and all i think so much time we come in and it's you know we're reserved right we're good baptists and we just want to sit here but sometimes there's a response and again i'm not asking you to get crazy but just in your head as you're singing as you're thinking through this how are we going to respond when we come face to face with him in heaven are we going to just sit and be like yeah you're good you're awesome or is there going to be some type of physical response of like maybe i stand or maybe i maybe i sit and i just contemplate about just how amazing, amazing He is. Does that make sense? Okay. Again, I'm not trying to manipulate you. Please don't raise your hands if that's going to freak you out. <laughs> okay. But if you are, if you want to, go for it. When my
0: words don't seem to do justice. To describe the glory that you are, I will stand before you in worship, and I will show you my heart, and I'd lift my head. Oh, I lift my voice to You. Yes, I lift my hands. Oh, I lift my voice to You. there's no other who can stand next to your name. You alone are worthy of all honor and all of our praise. Lift my head is yes, I lift my voice to you. Oh, I lift my head is yes, I lift my voice to. You. I lift my voice to you, to God. Oh, I lift my head. I lift my voice. You are glorious everything to me You are beautiful, wonderful You're the everlasting God You are glorious everything to me Oh, and You are beautiful, wonderful You're the everlasting God You are glorious Everything to me Oh, and you are beautiful, wonderful You're the everlasting God Yes, you are glorious Everything to me Oh, I lift my hands Yes, I lift my voice To my hands, yes, I lift my voice to yeah. oh, I lift my hands. I lift my voice to you I lift my hands I lift my voice to you Beautiful, you're wonderful Beautiful, wonderful You're the everlasting God Yes, you are glorious, everything to me Oh, You are beautiful, wonderful You're the everlasting God yes, You are glorious, everything to me Oh, You are beautiful, wonderful You're the everlasting God Yes, you are glorious, everything to me. Oh, and you are beautiful, wonderful. You're the everlasting God. Yes, you are glorious, everything to me.
2: Well, good morning, everybody. If uh, you have children, third grade and under, they can go to GPS right now. Um, I, I do, our, our mission teams are both on the ground. Yesterday, Guatemala got back. This morning, early, our team from Brazil got back, and they are traveling up to Lovekins. So, big finish this last half hour, 45 minutes, but God answered our prayer, and uh, they will be home very, very soon. Uh, I want to take a moment because a lot of you school workers, we have a ton of teachers at Carpenters Way. We've got a lot of school administration. So I want to take a moment and I want to pray for you as uh, you go back and start preparing for this wonderful year of mission field work that you've got. And uh, I'm looking out and I see some retired people that that are gawking. They're like smiling, super big. That's just a small bit of arrogance there, okay? And if you're not careful, God will send you back to substitute teach, okay? (laughs) <laughs> let's just, I'm just teasing, it's like, it's like anything but a, hall, but a bus monitor. Okay, let's close the prayer. No, let's, let's pray. Father God, we love you, and we're so thankful for how you've answered our prayer this last week of keeping our mission people safe, and, and both uh, from the transportation to Guatemala and Brazil and back, and the mission work. Father, being on ships and walking through the towns of Guatemala and sharing Christ and loving on folks. Uh, Lord, they're going to be tired this week, and I just ask that you would give them strength. Father, for uh, our teachers, our administration, those who work on buses, and those who, uh, Father, those who work in any capacity in our educational system, I ask that you would give them wisdom and strength and and encouragement. Father, I know they're all kind of nervous about the teachers, about what kind of kids they'll have this year. Father, you, as the sovereign God, have elected to put the kids in their class that they need to serve. That does not mean we tolerate uh, violence, it doesn't mean we tolerate bad behavior, but somehow in the midst of our dealing with those things as they need to be dealt with, may we also, Father, tell them that they are forgivable by the King of kings who died on the cross for their sin. Help us remember, when we feel small, how big you are. Uh, We love you, we ask you for the strength that these folks need, we ask that they would have a wonderful week this week in service, preparing their classrooms, And that next week would be a glorious week of seeing ministry. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, welcome back to our family living room. We're glad you're here this morning. I've had a lot of questions as to what we're going to do. And I didn't want to tell you because I wanted you to show up. So... But uh, what we're going to do, we are, we are in the Lord's Prayer, and uh, I got a couple emails this week going, you didn't get very far, I know you're used to me going through sections of Scripture, and last week, you remember how much of the Lord's Prayer I got through, we can put that on the screen so everybody can see it, it's, it's in one slide, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, right there, that's as far as I got. And uh, I wanna, let's keep that up there for a moment, Louise, uh, because I, I want you to... I want to say some things that we learned last week in preparation for what we want to do this week. Um, Man, first, I want to remind you as we studied that this is a template prayer. Um, It actually warns us from turning prayers into repetitive religious activity. And what's, what's funny is it's kind of become that, the Lord's Prayer. So it's really... Kind of difficult. Those of us, most of us, actually, probably all of us have learned it in the King James. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we say that, and we can say it in our sleep. So when we look at it in the New Living Translation, it says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. It's kind of stark. You know, and some of you are probably just giving in and, and thinking of it in King James. But actually, this is a really great translation of what the Greek says. And the Greek, and this is why we're doing what we're going to do this morning. The Greek is actually, God is, uh, Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, is teaching us to pray. And remember, it's in the context of, here's what I expect of you. You've, have you ever committed adultery? No, Jesus, we haven't committed adultery. Well, I'm telling you, my father who sent me says that if you've even lusted, you've committed adultery. Oh, darn. <laughs> he, he went on to say, have you ever murdered? No, Jesus, we've never murdered. Rabbi, we've never murdered. Well, I'm here to tell you that my father in heaven Sees that if you've ever hated somebody, you've murdered. Oh, darn. So in the middle of like eight of those, Jesus goes into how we relate to God as exiles, as fallen exiles, with people who can't keep the standards of God. And that is the answer to falling short. And we'll get into that later because talking to God, relating with God, having a relationship with God is the solution to our sin problem, to our flesh problem. More on that in coming weeks. But Jesus wanted us to understand that when we start the Lord's Prayer, we need to remember that, first of all, He's our Father, including Jesus. So you're talking to somebody who loves you. He's not a religious icon. He's not not an idol made of wooden stone. He's God, but He's personal. He's our Father. But He's not here on earth. He's in heaven. So He's lofty above our human fathers. And then He says this really weird thing that we just skipped through in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. It actually should be translated more like this, which is, may your name be kept holy. And last week, most of the message was about helping us understand that what Jesus is teaching us is, before we get into our daily needs, our need for forgiveness, we got to remember who it is we're talking to. And so our first prayer is actually not, uh, you know, you're holy. It's not worship like people say. It's actually praying, God, help me to keep your name holy. Help me not forget who you are as I bow before you today. And and the truth is, for most of us, we understand the concept of holiness. We grew up singing holy, holy, holy. If you grew up in the church, most of you did. Even if you went to VBS in in East Texas, if you're a Southerner, you grew up around church and religion and and Christianity. And so the problem is, we think about the term holiness, and we kind of go, oh, yeah, that means he's perfect. That's, That's not what it means. The truth is I had several of you, we've been talking about the holiness of God over the last couple months, and I've had several of you say, so what does it mean God is holy? And the answer to that is yes. Everything you think of God, whenever you think of him, that's holiness. Why would God save me when I choose to sin? That's holy. There's nobody like him. Your spouse isn't like him. Your dad on the earth isn't like your dad in heaven. He's holy. He's different. He is the beginning and the end. He created everything with the word. That makes him holy. He's transcendent. Uh, he doesn't love people back in 1500 AD or BC more than he loves people in 2022 AD. He's holy. Everything about him is holy, and we kind of go, okay, I can't comprehend that, so I think I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to declare him holy and move on. The psalmist wrote this about God. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Glory, the holiness, The uniqueness. The completeness of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the world and and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and it follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect. They revive the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure and lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. And you've heard these psalms, and you go to church every week, and we sing these songs, and some songs like that last one that Chad did that he wrote, Moves My Heart. Love that song. I lift my hands, I lift my voice, I just, you know, it's just such a, not only is the, are the words awesome, but the, the melody, how it's sung, it just moves me. The problem with music moving me though is it ends, and I forget. The problem with being a Christian in this culture, if there's a problem with it, is that I hear the words over and over again. I heard them in VBS, and so I, they don't move me as much as they did. I, I forget the awesomeness of God. And every once in a while, something comes along that reminds me of how amazing God is. And that's what we're going to do for the next 45 minutes. I'm going to show you a video that many of you have seen. Now you know why I didn't tell you. Because you need to watch it once in a while. You need to sit back and you need to just look up in the sky. The video you're about to watch is uh, by Louis Giglio. It's called Indescribable. It's got music in it. But basically, after the Hubble, this is, I, I can't believe how old I am. This was done about 10 years ago in Houston at a rally, uh, and he'll explain it, but the Hubble telescope was just focusing in on the universe, and he can. Comp- so watch it, okay? Just watch it, and look, I want you to sit back, I want you to enjoy it, I just want you to take it in. I don't want you to overthink it, I don't want you to get deep. I want you to listen to, I, I called Louis, he wouldn't come this morning. <laughs> so uh, I just just take it in, because, I'm pretty sure that every one of you, saved or not, this morning will see this and go, oh, yeah, I forgot. Let's watch.
3: So how do we know God is indescribable, and He is indescribable? This is not the indescribable tour because Chris has a song named Indescribable. This is the indescribable tour because the song is about a God who truly is indescribable. There are hardly enough words. what, What is up with you people, by the way? You're the shouters back there in the Dancing Generation song. I like you people. Yeah, whoever you are back there, that's awesome. Yeah. But we are here tonight to worship. This is an amazing thought. A God who is indescribable. You say, well, how do you know that? All you have to do is walk outside on a dark night and look up into the sky. And you will know when you look up that this God we're worshiping tonight is beyond our wildest dreams. The scripture says, I love the way the psalmist wrote this. He said, the heavens are telling the glory of God. In other words, they're not just up there, twinkle, twinkle, little star. They're on display and they are shouting back down to all of us who look their way saying, God is amazing. He is indescribable, incredible, bigger than you've ever dreamed of. He's greater than your biggest prayer." the biggest step of faith you've ever taken. This God is amazing. All you have to do is look up. And the scripture says, the heavens are telling the glory of God. The skies declare the work of his hands. Day after day, the psalmist wrote, they pour forth speech. And night after night, they tell us what they know. And they're telling us tonight Don't count him out and don't sell him short because God is huge. He is ginormous. He is greater than every thought we've ever had of him. And they're like a billboard who tells us that every single day. The scripture is so simple. I love it. I love science too. But the scripture says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I love that. Some people think it was the Big Bang. I'm okay with that too. I think when God created the heavens and the earth, it was a fairly large bang. I think there was quite an event going on when God created the heavens and the earth. And that's not, that's not, that's no knock on science because I think we're all on the same path here to discover this mystery of creation. A few verses later, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Of course, there was. If that's what God asked for, that's what God got. And when He wanted light, He got light, and the universe came into existence, and it's massive. We don't even know how big it is. We we always call it the known universe. In other words, translation, we haven't built a big enough telescope yet to see exactly what is out there that God has created, but every time we build a bigger telescope, we're wowed once again that it's bigger than we thought. There's more amazing stuff out there that we've never seen, and God's just laughing all over again going, yeah, congratulations. Is that all you got? All right. Well, go back and build a bigger one, and when you come back, I'll show you you something else that you haven't seen yet. He must be up there going, come on, work on it faster, build it faster. I got stuff up here that will blow your mind." (laughs) Scientists are stumped. One of their dilemmas is they think there must be more habited planets in the universe. And one of the arguments, I think it's a great argument, the argument is if if the universe is just simply a habitation for you and me, it's way oversized, to which I go right on to that. I think it might be a little too big if it's just a home for you and for me. But what if the primary purpose of the universe is not to be a home for you and me, but what if its primary purpose is to show off the splendor and the majesty and the greatness and the glory of the God who created it all, then the universe not too big at all. The universe is just about the right size after all. When light came out of the mouth of God, I hear people say things all the time that they don't think about. They're like, I would like to have been there when God created the world. Oh, no, you wouldn't have wanted to be there when God created the world. You would not have wanted to be there the day He said, let there be light. Because when He opened His mouth, light came flying out of the mouth of God, traveling 186,000 miles a second. That's the speed of light, in case you weren't paying attention back in middle school. Light travels 186,000 miles a second. You're like, Oh my goodness, that's faster than we came up to Hardy Toll Road to get here tonight. I mean, that's, that's moving on. Absolutely, it's so fast that a beam of light could circle the earth seven times every second. That's flying. And it came out of the mouth of God going that speed. You wouldn't want to be standing there in that moment when he opened his mouth. And light came screaming out of his mouth, a blazing glory like nothing we have ever seen or comprehended, going faster than we've ever imagined. And when he did, the universe just lit up. The scripture says by the word of the Lord the heavens were made. The starry host by the breath of his mouth. We live in a little subdivision in the universe called the Milky Way Galaxy. In case you didn't know, that's where you live. Some of you are thinking you live in Shady Grove. No, you're living in the Milky Way Galaxy. That's your subdivision in the universe, a very big universe that we have to use something called a light year to get around in. You say, well, what's a light year? Well, that's how fast light travels in one year. And we know it's flying, 186,000 miles a second. So if light goes 186,000 miles a second for a whole year, it goes 5.88 trillion miles in a year. And that's the measurement are one of the main measurements we use to get around in the universe that God has created. That's how big it is. The foot? Not going to help you in God's universe. The yard? Of no value to you whatsoever in God's universe. The mile? Insignificant. The kilometer, Matt? uh, Not going to help you uh, getting around in God's universe. We have to use a ruler that is 5.88 trillion miles long to measure things in God's universe. And our home subdivision, the Milky Way Galaxy, just came into being. It It consists of billions of stars, just our subdivision, the Milky Way Galaxy. Not hundreds, not millions, not hundreds of millions, billions of stars in our home subdivision, the Milky Way Galaxy. And scientists say that there are hundreds of billions of other subdivisions and galaxies in the known universe. This shot is where we live. It's a little snapshot of the Milky Way galaxy. If you zoom into this star-forming region, you see something pretty amazing. This particular shot is a close-up of a star-forming region in our subdivision taken by a friend of ours named Dr. David Block, who's an astronomer down at Witts University in Johannesburg, South Africa. And we were down there a few months ago, and he was telling us that if we were to count the billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, one star per second, So if we just started with any one of these, I don't know which one you want to pick, Um, let's just start with this one right here, and we, because I can reach it, and we start one, two, three, four, five, that looks like one, but I'm close enough to see it's two that are close together, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, let's go back over here, (laughs) twelve, you're like, oh please don't count them all. If we counted all the stars in our subdivision, one per second, it would take 2,500 years just to count the stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And God says about himself, you, you, you want to know how the universe is telling us that God is big? Through the prophet Isaiah, he says, To whom will you compare me? And who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes to the heavens. Who created all of these and then he answers for himself the one who leads forth the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his mighty strength and great power not one of them is missing we've got to right size him tonight he is not our size He does not have a brain like ours. He does not think like we think. He is working on a canvas bigger than we have ever dreamed of or imagined, and he is bigger than anything we've ever seen in our lifetime. He is huge, and the heavens are telling us that, but they're telling us something else tonight. Not only are they telling us God is huge, they're telling us that you and me, that we are really, 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 really small. Okay, what was that? God got amen and applause for being huge. We got nervous laughter for us being really, really small. That means a lot more when it comes right after the phrase, but I'll give partial credit for that. If you want to get a glimpse of it, here's a composite shot of our subdivision. The Milky Way galaxy is taken by combining hundreds of thousands of photographs. Uh, Obviously, we haven't managed to get outside of the Milky Way galaxy to take a picture of it, but um, NASA folks are pretty sure that's what it looks like. It has a a barred nucleus, it's a barred spiral galaxy, and you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 100,000 light years across. So if you want to go visit your neighbors on the other side of the subdivision, you just have to go 186,000 miles a second for 100,000 years, and boom, you're at their house. in our little neighborhood home called the Milky Way Galaxy. You say, well, where are we? I'm, I'm looking for us on there. You know, we, we got to be right in the center, obviously. I'm sure we're right in that, right there in that middle. No, we, believe it or not, we're not even in the center of our own subdivision, OK? So affirming again tonight, it's not about you and it's not about me. We don't even live in the center of our own subdivision. And you don't want to live in the center of the subdivision because it's scary in the center of the subdivision. We, you say, well, where do we live? Well, we live way out between a couple of the spiral arms. You don't want to live in there either because that's dangerous territory inside the bands. We live in that little clear zone between a couple of the bands, about two-thirds of the way out. We're living somewhere about there. And you're, you're like, well, I don't, I don't see me. No. No. Because we couldn't put a mark on the diagram that you could see that would be the right relative size to our solar system. You know, that's our little cul-de-sac in the subdivision, that we couldn't even put our solar system on here in relative size to the Milky Way galaxy for you to see. It's that small inside the Milky Way galaxy. Scientists say our solar system is the size of a quarter. And the Milky Way galaxy is the size of the North American continent. So our whole solar system is a quarter in the size of an area as big as the North American continent. We're not that consequential in our own subdivision called the Milky Way galaxy. And somewhere in there is a star, one of these billions of stars. It's not the biggest, the baddest, the brightest. It's just one of the stars of the billions of stars We call it the sun, and around it tonight are orbiting these balls, one of which is called Earth. It's our home. That's you and me. This particular image came from Apollo 17. There was a day, for those of you who are my age and older, you remember when we were... uh, smart enough to get off the planet for the first time. (laughs) Let's hear it for old people. (laughs) Some of you young people are like, oh yeah, that's the earth. I've seen that. But the first time we saw it, it was like, oh wow. And we look back at ourselves. It was stunning. And what you see particularly in this image, you you see Africa, if you know your geography well. You see the very tip of southern Africa down about middle of the earth with a wisp of cloud coming over the Cape of Good Hope. You see the Sahara Desert and barren across the top left, Sinai Peninsula to the top right, and just the tip edge there. You see the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea, just up at the very top left edge. But what's amazing about the, the picture is that you don't see any countries or any cities or any people. You don't see the great need that is there. You don't see the poverty and the strife and the pain. You don't see the glory and the glamour. You don't see anybody's yard or anybody's car. And as you step back, you just begin to get this feeling that maybe we're not so big after all. I mean, we know the one who made this world must be enormous. But all of a sudden we get this feeling that maybe the fall tricked us and maybe we're not quite as important as we thought we were. Or Maybe our lives aren't quite as grand as we made them out to be. I love this quote, it's from Neil Armstrong, the first man who walked on the moon. He grabs this thought when he says, I remember on the way home on Apollo 11. It suddenly struck me that tiny pea, pretty and blue, was the earth. I put my thumb up and shut one eye, and my thumb blotted out planet earth. Listen to his conclusion. He said, but I didn't feel like a giant. I felt very, very small. I think the psalmist got it right when he said when I look at your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars that you have set in place what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him in 1977 we launched a spacecraft called Voyager on a one-way mission to take images of the planets and our own solar system. And 13 years later, on Valentine's Day, 1990, scientists from the JPL sent a message to Voyager and said, before you go any further, turn around and take one last panoramic snapshot of all the planets you visited. By now, Voyager is 3.7 billion miles away from the Earth. It's traveling 40,000 miles an hour away from the sun. And it turns around and takes a series of photographs. Obviously, you can't get one wide-angle shot of Uranus and Neptune and Saturn and the planets that it's visited. So it takes a succession of 60 images. And it starts to send the images back to Earth. Each image, 640,000 pixels in every one of the 60 images. You say, what's a pixel? It's that little tiny dot that makes up a photograph. And 3.7 billion miles away, the pixels are taking five and a half hours each to make it back to the earth. 60 images, 640,000 pixels in each image, five and a half hours for each pixel to make it back to the earth. And you think you have dial-up problems at the house, okay? (laughs) That is a massive dial-up problem. And it takes months for the image to come back. And when it does, it absolutely stuns astronomy. Very famous picture. Floored me the first time I saw it. The image that came to us, once it was put in a composite form from 3.7 billion miles away. Famous image called the pale blue dot. You're like, excuse me. Did did I miss something? We waited several months to get that back. Those are the ones I throw away at the Walmart. You know, you go through at the back and you're like, oh, no, I had my thumb over the lens on that one. No good, no good. Can I get my money back on these? No. You say, well, what are the green and the pink bands in the image? They're they're rays of sunlight reflecting off Voyager because sun, even though nearly four billion miles away, was in view. And it just so happened that suspended in one of the beams of sunlight was a tiny little speck. Do you see it? Yeah. For you guys in the cheap seats, I'll blow it up just a tad for you. It's 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 there. If you're still not with me, it's right there. I don't want anyone to miss it. And we can just go back to the, the big shot for a second. It's a picture of earth from 3.7 billion miles away. And it just so happened to be caught in a ray of light. And one famous astronomer of the day said of it, just remarking that everyone who's ever lived their lives lived them out on that tiny pale blue dot that he called a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. I don't know about you. When I first saw it, a shrinking feeling came over me. And I knew in that moment that my life was a tiny little blip on the radar of history, a vapor, infinitesimal little life. You say, well, Louie, you're you're making me feel small. (laughs) No, I'm not trying to make you feel small. I'm trying to help you see that you are small. But it's significant insignificance, because as tiny as we are, we are known and prized by majesty, who sent for us and loves us and knows us, even though we are teeny tiny little bitty people on a little bitty speck floating through the vast cosmos that he has made just like he could name every star as he called them into being and put them in their places. He could start in this building tonight all the way up in the top with you right there and he could call you by your name and he could move to you and call you by your name and you by your name and the great creator of all the heavens and the earth could move through this auditorium and call every single person in this building by name tonight. He knows us and is aware of us and loves us and has come to invite us into a relationship with him that will never ever end. It's amazing when you think about it, when you think about how big he is, that we know his name. I want to take you on a quick journey outward if you're up for it. I think you guys are tonight. Um, Houston would be like kind of the home of the space program, by the way, um, at least one of the key centers. And so I want to take you out a little bit. Um, we're going to go 93 mi- million miles out from that little pale blue dot to our near star, our sun, which is what we call it. We're not sure what God calls it. He named it, but we call it the sun. You know it. Um, It burns you up year-round here. You get it. Um, By the way, nice day here in Houston. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got outside. You get 16 of those a year here in Houston, so I hope you loved every minute of it. You understand probably more than the other cities that we're going to be going to about the sun. It's a raging ball of fire, people. It is not just up there, you know, nice and happy, smiley face coming up, you know, as we used to draw it as kids. It is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit on the surface. It is raging intensity. It is like billions of nuclear bombs going off every second. So strong, it's sending light out at 186,000 miles a second. It only takes the beam of light eight minutes to cover the 93 million mile journey journey from the sun to your skin in Houston, Texas, and it came out of the mouth of God. We cannot think that he is some kind of mamby-pamby God, some kind of mealy little weak God. He is ferocious, this God we are worshiping tonight. He is intense in power and holiness and radiant splendor and might, and he opens his mouth and things like that just come out of his mouth. We got to remember that tonight. That's who we're worshiping. It's a hundred times the diameter of earth. In case you don't know how big that is, take a look. This gives you a little perspective on us. And that's why tonight when you go to sleep, you want to thank God that we're 93 million miles away from the sun. This next image comes to us from the Swedish Solar Institute. They're doing close-up studies of the surface of the sun, and that's what you get. It's raging fire. Scientists say it would take the gross national product of the United States of America for seven million years for your local power company to run the sun for one second. And it's just one of the billions of stars in our subdivision called the Milky Way, which is one subdivision among hundreds of billions of subdivisions in the known universe that God has made. He's big. Go out a little ways. Let's use that ruler we talked about, okay? The light year. You remember? 5.88 trillion miles. Let's use that and go out. We're just 93 million miles here. That's nothing. Let's take some strides. 440 light years out, we come to this beautiful constellation called Pleiades. I just put this one in because it's so beautiful and because it's mentioned many times in Scripture. In the Old Testament books, the prophets and in Job, Job's having that conversation with God and God's trying to remind him that he's the one that's big and Job is the one that's small. And he says to Job, Job, can you hold the Pleiades in your hand? To which Job looks up and says, no. And God's like, well, there. One place in the scripture, it says that God measures the universe in the span of his hand the whole universe. He's <laughs> like, yeah, it's about right there. Let's go out a little further. There's so many amazing things. We're gonna go 1,000 light years out to the Vela Pulsar. Check this out, this is absolutely stunning. Isn't that cool? Well, it's probably more than cool. It's um, hot, but it's interesting and amazing. You say, well, what's a pulsar? Um, I don't know. Um, I don't have a degree in astronomy, okay? Um, A star explodes into a supernova, can collapse back on itself into a magnetic intensity. Uh, This is a highly magnetized neutron star. It's oscillating 11 times a second, the center of it. And it's huge, by the way. I love it because it looks like double bow and arrow shooting an arrow out, but it's sending out this intense signal out. And not only is it beautiful to look at, thousand light years away from us, but we aimed a radio telescope at the Vela Pulsar. That's what we're using to see if there are other people out there trying to talk to us. And uh, we aimed it at the Vela Pulsar. And this is what we got back from the Vela Pulsar. This is what that thing sounds like right there. He just does that all day and all night. I don't know Morse code, but it could be tapping out. No, he's big. He's really, really big. He's a whole lot bigger than you think he is. He's really, really big, this God we worship. He's really, really, really big and a whole lot bigger than you think he is. Didn't want to miss out on the worship. Didn't want to miss out. All creation was glorifying God, and the bell of Paul's said, all right, here we go. Now let's jump 8,000 light years out. This is the Hourglass Nebula. Yeah, that's, I think God just put that one up there for fun. It's a dying star emitting tons of gases that are cooling and creating this beautiful thing. The star that's dying is not the one you see to the left, but the one right in the center of the eyeball. I don't know about you. When I was growing up, the ultimate trump in my house was my mom saying, well, you better watch out and be careful, because God is watching you. Well, turns out she was right after all. God sees everything and knows everything. He can't see you with the hourglass nebula. He may see you with um, the helix nebula or with the stardust ring. There's a lot of options for him to see us. Check it out. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> let's take a massive leap. We're 8,000 light years out now. We're going to go 28 million light years. can do the math on the way home. 28 million times 5.88 trillion. You're like, are you kidding me? No. You come to the sombrero galaxy. Just one of the beauties of our universe. You say, oh, that's nice. It looks like a little frisbee. No, 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 no. It's 50,000 light years wide. It's trillions of miles thick. It just happens to be sitting in space in such a way that we're just above the elliptic plane, almost looking dead on the edge of it, but just six degrees above it. And just up there in all of its splendor. Most of you have never seen it before. You say, well, what's it doing up there? Just glorifying God, just showing off the greatness and the majesty of God, just hanging out in the universe that he made, reflecting back to him his glory tonight and how amazing he is. Since we're in Houston, I wanted just to say just a word of thanks. Um, This image and many of the ones we're seeing tonight have come to us from the Hubble Space Telescope, which I'm sure you've heard of. You're paying for it, by the way. I hope you've heard of it. Um, It's an amazing thing. Here's a shot of it, in case you didn't know what you were paying for. You're like, that's it? That's what we get? Yeah, it's fascinating, this thing. Uh, This particular photograph was taken in 1997, just after Service Mission 2. The Hubble hangs out uh, 353 miles above the earth and so it's got a great jump on us getting out outside of our atmosphere and gives us stunning images like uh, we've never seen before and I was just going to tell you quickly Chris and I were at a camp this summer And I was trying some of these space stuff out on middle school and high school students because I figured if it worked for them, it might work for you guys tonight. And they were so cool. They were just like, wow, no way, you know, just like teenagers would be. I was loving it. But I got home, and I got a package in the mail, and it was a a DVD of some Hubble images and video and a note. And I started reading the note and just freaked out in my office. I've never taken the note out in public, but I've brought it tonight. I'm going to read it for you. Oh, sorry about that. Um, it, it, I'll, I'll just read it. I've, I don't care if you think this is cool. This is cool. I've never read this in public before. It's never been out among other people before. And I'll just give you the short version. It says, "Dear Louis, thank you for your time at our camp. Um, um, the person's uh, uh, children or child were, that was there. And uh, comes down the second paragraph. They said you have a passion for astronomy. You may like this collection of a- HST videos." I was on service mission, too. That's what the point I started going, oh. So I, too, have a special connection to the telescope as it reveals the magnificence of God's creation. Um, in his service, Joe Tanner, and I'm like, Joe Tanner. So I just, I grab, my, um, I grab my computer, and I go to the NASA site, and I type in Joe Tanner, and come to find out, he's like an astronaut. I'm like, I have a letter from an astronaut. I got a letter from an astronaut. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. These guys pay a great price to let us see and know a lot of what we see and know. This next image is a shot of some guys uh, in space working on the telescope. I had to turn it sideways, so don't get confused. It kind of goes the other way, but screens are different. That's the bay of the space shuttle, and the telescope is docked into it. And these astronauts are updating and working on the Hubble Space Telescope. And Joe Tanner, my friend and letter writer, is the one in the middle right there with his hands on the thing. Um, and he's here tonight. And I'd just like to say thank you to him for being a great friend. And I'd love for you guys to say thank you to him. That's cool. That's awesome. We're gonna go out. We're 28 million light years out at the Sombrero Galaxy. We're gonna go past it to the darling of astronomy, the Whirlpool Galaxy. It's 31 million light years away. And you can see why it's the darling of astronomy. It sits in space completely face on to the earth. It's called a grand design galaxy, to which I say right on to that. Um, it's made up of hundreds of billions of stars some scientists say 300 to 500 billion stars. It's called a whirlpool because it looks like it could just suck you in for a while, they thought it was sucking in this white blob over here to the right. You're like, "What's that blob to the right?" That's a whole other galaxy. Thank you very much. That's NGC 5195 over there, and the whirlpool's NGC 5194. They thought that it was going to suck it into the whirlpool, but no, they're they're way, way, way far apart. They're never going to touch each other. Rest well tonight. And after billions of years, they'll just pass each other in space. The pink areas, you say, it's so pretty with those little pink twinkles. No, those are ferocious star-forming incubators. And stars are being born in there even as we worship tonight. Scientists say every second in the universe a new star is born. Stars as big as our sun and bigger it's being put into place. And God's just naming them all and putting them where they are in His universe. But I want to take you way out. You guys seem like a group that's ready to go way out, I want to take you so far out, I can't even tell you what we're about to see. I I can't even set it up. I can't describe it. There are no words. We are going far, 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 far out. Yes, it is. I'll just let you see it. He made everything we've seen tonight. The scripture says that through Jesus God made the world. In another place Paul wrote, he created all things, things in heaven and things on the earth. And you say, well, what's the left turn? We're seeing all these amazing things out in the universe, and now the cross, yes, the cross, the creator of it all, coming to that pale blue dot, the maker of the whole wide universe, hanging on a cross that He Himself created. And you hear the words of Paul, words we've heard many, many times, but so in focus tonight. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. When you hear the writer of the Psalms speaking thousands of years before, and you know why. The Psalm writer said, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. That's who we're worshiping tonight. That's the God we've come here to celebrate tonight. A God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Praise God for that. We don't get from God what we deserve. We don't get what we have earned because of our rebellious hearts towards Him. But listen to what we get. He says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, And we don't even know how high that is Our ruler won't go that far We're not even sure what the upside is Of the heavens that are above us But the psalmist says As high as the heavens are above the earth So great is his love For those who fear him And in the next breath he says And as far as the east is from the west That's how far he has removed Our transgressions from us I don't know who you are. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what you're trailing behind you. I don't know what kind of shame, what kind of mess, what kind of failure that you're trailing behind you in your life, but I know this. I know that long before you made a mess out of your life, God the Father made a mess out of his life, and there is a shadow of Calvary over this building tonight. It is the shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ, and there is freedom here. There is forgiveness here and cleansing and newness and washing because Jesus Christ, in him, there is therefore now no condemnation. Guilt is over and shame has been done with at the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's what we call astronomical grace. I want to show you one last image before we respond to him together. You say, there are no more images, Louie. Thank you. It's the Son of God crucified for my sins. There can be nothing else. Well, while I was in Durango with these students, I was just looking for something that I hadn't seen before. I was on the Hubble site searching whirlpool images. Uh, You remember the darling of astronomy, the whirlpool galaxy and I just searched Whirlpool, a list of uh, names of images came up. One of them was called the X structure at the core of the Whirlpool Galaxy. Got my attention, I thought okay. I clicked on that link and a photograph comes up, an image comes up on my computer screen, almost knocks me off of my seat. I cannot believe it. I'm just staring at it with my mouth open. It's 31 million light years away. The Hubble Space Telescope, seeing what we cannot see, has looked into the dark black hole core of the Whirlpool Galaxy and sent us back a photograph. Here's what NASA sent us back from 31 million light years away, deep in the core of the Whirlpool Galaxy. We get this image. Coming back to us. Wow, it's the X structure in the core of the Whirlpool Galaxy. I'm not here to scientifically tell you it's a cross. You can make of it what you want to tonight. I'm just saying it reminds me of the Revelation writer who said, it's Jesus Christ, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It's Jesus everywhere. It's grace everywhere you turn. It's mercy when you least expect to find it. It's God laughing in heaven when we finally got the Hubble aimed at the right place. And he goes, check this out. It's me. It's grace. It's mercy. It's kindness. It's forgiveness. Everywhere you look, it's God saying, I love you. There's grace everywhere. And long before you decided what you were going to do with God, God decided what he was going to do with you. And that was to not give you what your sins deserved, but to give his son what your sins deserved. And to give you the gift of himself and an invitation to live forever in a big, big story that is all about him. It's grace and hope. I don't know, maybe you're here tonight looking up at a huge mountain. Maybe it's a mountain called depression or divorce or abandon or loneliness. Maybe you have been wrongly accused and have been served a huge injustice It could be cancer, or bankruptcy, or the darkness of death itself. But I say to you tonight, there is nothing that this world can throw at you that can shake you out of the hand of God who is holding the entire universe in his very palm tonight and holding you. And His grace is big enough and strong enough to hold on to you through it all and to bring you through it all and to bring you to the very end of it all, still loving Him and rejoicing in His goodness, even in the darkness. And you can trust Him tonight. Oh, we haven't seen everything we've wanted to see from God. I haven't in my life. But we've seen enough. to trust Him fully for the rest of our days. It's love so amazing and love so divine it demands, deserves, should get back our soul and our life and our all. Thank you, Jesus Christ, Son of God, creator of all things, Savior of the world. Thank you for astronomical grace for teeny tiny people like us to buy us back and rescue us into your arms for this day and for every day forever and ever
2: and ever and ever. Amen. Could you put uh, the first verse up there? The one from Matthew, the Lord's Prayer. It's the very first scripture that I gave you, Louise. So Jesus is with the disciples, and he says, his followers... Yes, my microphone went off why would God forgive me because he's holy why would God save a person like me because he's holy why would God choose David an adulterer a bad dad and not even a good king because he's holy why would God choose Samson because he's holy why would God choose Moses because he's holy well that doesn't answer the question it does he's like nobody we've ever known And we can't go on with the prayer until we, and even understanding and talking to God rightly and and any of that. We can't go on in our relationship with God until we understand that this Father's in heaven and the one we pray to, we have the problem with his holiness, not him. So he teaches us to pray, may we keep your name holy. And this morning I wanted to take some time just to try to get away from our normal routine to look at the skies, and I hope you never forget it. And some of us need to go out to the other side of Texas where the sky is darker than it is anywhere else. And we need to look up into the sky and for a moment in time, we need to remember that this God is not knowable. He can be known intimately, but we can't understand him. If you are an Arminian and you're sitting here today going, well, you're a Calvinist, and I'm not a Calvinist, but if you're a Calvinist, the truth is God's both. He's both. He's not worried if you're Catholic. He just wants to know if you put your trust in him. He's not worried if you're Baptist or what the Baptists have done through history. He's only concerned about us allowing him to adopt us. And once we're adopted, we can talk to him anytime we want. As our father who's in heaven, different kind of father, whose name we need to never, ever forget is holy. He's different, completely unique. Nobody like him. He's indescribable, unknowable. And the best way, I think, to end this morning is to sing that song.
0: From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea, Creations revealing your majesty From the colors of fall To the fragrance of spring Every creature unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing God And all-powerful, untamable Awestruck we fall to our knees As we humbly proclaim You are amazing, God. Who has told every lightning bolt where it should go? Or seen heavenly storehouse. Is laden with snow You imagine the sun And gives source to its light Yet conceals it To bring us the coolest of nights None can fathom the indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing. We fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim, You are amazing, God. Indescribable, uncontainable, You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing. unchangeable you see the depths of my heart and you love me the same you are amazing god you are amazing god indescribable Uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing God He's incomparable, he's unchangeable Incomparable, unchangeable You see the depths of my heart And you love me the same you are amazing, God. Oh, you are amazing, God.
1: Guys, we stand before you this morning. Um, words seem a little empty. Uh, got just the greatness, the beauty, the wonder of who you are. What do we say? What do we say to a God like you? we say thank you. We say thank you, God, that you, that you see us, you know us by name. God, just make this more real in our lives. God, it's just, what you've done is unfathomable. It, it just doesn't make sense. You're so amazing. You're so big. You're so great, and that you know each and every one of us by our names. Let that sink in. Lord, let us take that out of this building to every person that we meet over this next week. God, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a good week.